All right, Henry, come on up here. This is a, a joy for us to hear from our missionary, Henry. John, a missionary to India, and he's going to give uh, kind of an updated ministry and a challenge uh, from God's Word. A quick thing, if you're watching on the broadcast right now, uh, we're going to be pausing this because uh, during the update, we can't have names and, and faces for some of the uh, people ministering there together. And so we're going to pause the update section, and then when he does the gospel, or the, the Bible challenge part, we'll restart the broadcast. So if you're watching at home, then that's the reason why that's going to happen. But thank you so much for being here. Grateful yes. that you're here, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. It's always joy to come back to this church, and we're thankful for your prayers, for your support, and uh, it's honor to serve the Lord. It's a privilege, and uh, I'm thankful that I'm surrounded by prayers, and people like you who pray for us, give graciously. My heart uh, just was overwhelmed just to see your generosity when it comes to giving those Bibles. And uh, I didn't know what was there under that sheet, but it's amazing. Thank you very much. And we're going to be a blessing to many people pastors, leaders in India. So thank you for giving these Bibles uh, for our pastors and leaders there. And thank you, Pastor uh, Jeremy, for uh, making this thing possible. And Brother Joe, he had been talking with me about uh, these Bibles. And he was in India. He said, probably I would go and share it with our church people, and we probably would be able to do it. So I'm thankful that you were gracious, and you were able to send your pastor and Brother Joe to India, and uh, what a blessing it has been for us, for our people. Uh, just wanted to tell you that uh, w- when they left, our team, our team, our pastors, our students were so blessed, and they've been asking, oh, could they come back again? I said, I'll be praying that God would uh, send them back, and they were so blessed. Uh, many times we take people with us on team, uh, it's sometimes it's only a one time they would want to go back, and, uh, and then we don't get many feedback, so it's always uh, interesting, where, who should I call back? And when Pastor uh, Jeremy went, uh, the good feedback that I got, I was so blessed, was that they said, Pastor Jeremy doesn't only teaches, but he has so much passion and emotions. So uh, as he taught, our team, our, our students were so blessed. And they could see his emotions and he, they see passion. And they said, will Pastor Jeremy come back? I said, you should pray with me. I would send him an offer, and I will ask him, and I will request him and, uh, if he would. And uh, when I sent him an uh, email, he said, give me a little time to think about it. And then he sent me back email again, and he said, he's willing to come back this fall. And uh, when I go back uh, to India, I'll be going back to India in May uh, with another set of team and uh, it would bring a lot of joy to our students to know that Pastor uh, Jeremy is coming back, and he was so passionate about teaching church history and hermeneutic. I said, 
Dr. Jeremy, you have to now not only teach from zero to 500 years of Christian church, but now you're going to teach 500 to 1,500 years of Christian church history. And within these numbers of hours, and he, he said, I'll try my best, so I'm so thankful. And I'm thankful for Brother Wayne. I had come to know him ever since I have been coming uh, to this church, and I found out that he's willing to come and uh, be able to be a part of this team and, and uh, minister along with Dr. Jeremy, so I'm excited, I'm encouraged. Thank you for allowing uh, Dr. Jeremy to go. One good thing, what it does to our supporting church when you are able to send your pastor and your church members that then uh, most of the time you see pictures and all the names and everything, uh, and you get excited about it, as I share, but, uh, but it's, it's different when you have your own people go there and they witness what God is doing in that country and the need and the people and everything, and then they come back. It's another story. It's another perspective that they bring to the church because I, I'm used to sharing the same thing in all different churches, uh, but then when... Uh, I believe in Dr. Jeremy and Brother Joe came back, they brought uh, their own feedback, the, the way they felt, the way the Lord impressed upon their heart, the love and everything. And I, I think it has permeated. Uh, your, uh, I know that this is only possible because these people were able to go and see the need and they were able to share. And it allows them to see one of your own to go there and bring that passion. And second thing that it does, and I go and encourage church pastors and churches that you have to send somebody from among you because it just ignites more interest and just uh, somehow stirs the spirit of mission in the church. And the church get excited about this uh, majestic task that God has entrusted to us believers. And no one person can accomplish that task. I cannot reach the India. I cannot reach uh, without your prayers, without your support. And people uh, like Dr. Jeremy, Brother, Scott, uh, Brother Joe, and Wayne going along with me and serving. So we are a team. And I also ask our supporting churches, you have to own that ministry. And your generosity is showed that you wanted to own that ministry. You want to be a part of that ministry. You wanted to say, hey, I want to play that important role in that ministry. Uh, and so it has been a very tangible way that you have touched our lives and the lives of people in India. I'm so thankful. I, I, you just even before I shared my whole story, you just got me excited. I, I, I'm looking all the time I'm at this thing, and I, I just can't believe, I can't believe. Uh, uh, it had made me very emotional. I'm sitting there, and I said, Lord, I can't believe. Thank you very much. Thank you for your love. It's the most important gift that you can give to people, the Word of God, with its clarity. It's something that the people can unravel and can understand and help. And so thank you for becoming part of it. I'm taking the trip in May, uh, and Pastor already might have shared you. It's a long, long journey to India, the other side of the wall. 18 hours, 36 hours actually 
from time, uh, I said Des Moines, but put that, that Verona here. It, it's probably somewhere there that you really leave home and reach the other side of the globe. And long journey, uh, our focus is northern part of India. 500 million people speak Hindi. And I was telling one of my friends that even if we carve out northern part of India out of North India, it's still be the largest country when it comes to numbers. Even by size, it would still come in top 10. Uh, it's a huge 500 million people speaking Hindi, so that's our focus of that group. And this is uh, where God has allowed us to minister. Uh, yeah, I, that's a color map. That's our focus in next 20, 30 years, that this is where we're going to uh, take the gospel, train people to, to do the church plant work. And uh, every time you go to, uh, to India, you would find names written in three languages, Hindi, English, and Arabic script, which is Urdu. Uh, it's a very colorful country. Uh, and people wear a lot of colorful dresses. And even if when they decorate their elephant, it's a colorful a uh, lot, of, lot of people. Uh, and uh, Dr. Jeremy and Brother Joe would say, I'm not exaggerating. It's more, a <laughs> lot of people, a lot of people. And, uh, uh, but we meet in this little house, and uh, people sit outside because we can't fit people in. Uh, we're praying that God would work out something for us so we can expand uh, so that people all can fit into that small room and I, so pray that God would work out some details uh, for us. We did, and you helped us to have this baptism tank, and we were able to baptize somebody there. And I, I've been praying after that, Lord, I want to take a picture of somebody getting baptism there. And I'm excited. That was the first person in summer. We're going to have some more. But it's amazing uh, how you have contributed to this ministry. I'm just thrilled. Uh, and so we're doing church plant work in five towns. We're planning to start five new church plants in five towns again. And uh, these are some of the church planters, Pastor Anand, and uh, it has a little uh, sign where they are in place in Dehradun. Uh, that's the church inside of that building. And I don't know, can you see somebody sitting at the back there uh, or recognize that person? That's that, that, Dr. Jeremy, and then Brother Joe is somewhere there too, and Dr. Jo and Dodson was there. And that's another church planter, Brother Sukdev, and uh, Pastor Peter uh, Praveen. And these all are, uh, are a part of our seminary. We have, we have trained them, some of them have graduated, and this is another couple that uh, joined our seminary, but they were so excited to serve the Lord in one of the cities called Haridwar, the, one of the holy cities of Hindus. And every time we took a team there, and we were not able to go last time because uh, we had a very small window, but uh, it, it always made my heart very really sad to see that holy city. So many people, millions of people, to some estimate, close to 80 million people or so visit that town. And it's a bank of Ganges River where people take holy dip, hoping their sins are over. And as you stroll around, your heart gets 
just stirred, spurred like Paul when he walks in the street of Athens. That's how you feel. And then somehow your spirit drowns and you say, how do I begin ministering? Well, we praise God that God raised uh, these two young couple to take that gospel to that town. And you can pray for them. And they, uh, this is another uh, couple that graduated from our school. And uh, they, uh, they have a little daughter, Salome, who, is, who turned two now. And uh, she was in the class. So we had quite a few little kids in the class. And so we praise God for them. They're planting church. Uh, our goal through our seminary is not just to uh, transmit information and theology. Uh, it's not just getting some education and feel good about it. But we pray that bring people, Lord, to us and so that we can invest in their lives and then they go and plant churches. One thing that I'm obsessed about is, being, uh, is uh, to plant churches. And I tell people, everybody who comes to our seminary, don't think you can become a pastor after you graduate because there are no churches waiting for you to become pastors. You have to dig the well and drink water. You have to work hard. And it's not going to be an easy thing. India is not a very uh, responsive or very welcoming country where you can take gospel and people would say, oh, we have a new church. I, I think uh, it could be said for uh, everywhere now in the world. Nowhere people love somebody who brings gospel to them and tell the truth. But it's a little bit more difficult. One of our pastors, uh, Pastor Sukhdev, uh, who just recently, a year ago when he went started a church in a small village, he started going, there were people who responded to gospel. I was able to go and preach and teach there, and there were a group of 20 people were coming, and then suddenly a, a mob came and they just closed that church, and they chased him out. And they said, we don't want to see you. Uh, and so he called me and said, what do I do? I said, I, maybe a new place. And he went and started, uh, uh, he went, he started going to two places, and God is just working amazingly those two places. So pray for that. Uh, we are praying that we could reach these another five places uh, with some of our students. And uh, I'm taking trip to India in summer. This would be a Really an interesting trip because last year in summer we took a, uh, uh, took a team and that was our first ex, ex, uh, experience but also experiment how to use college kids in India. And so we were able to have youth conference. And we ha uh, we, it is a youth conference slash camp. They all come and stay with us on the campus. And there were 40. We, could, we were able to sponsor 40 young people. Uh, when I say youth in India, it's just where 16 to 23 years old came to our youth conference. There were 40. And I've been praying before when the Lord touched some hearts. Out of 40, 20 made a profession of faith. And uh, around seven took a decision to uh, take baptism. And so we were so excited about it, so we thought we will do this year. And by faith, we might probably have 55 to 60. We started getting names. And so pray. And I'm praying again, Lord, touch 30 people this time. And they would make proficient faith. And so we will have team to go with us and several other professors. There are two other professors on this trip that would go with me. And we would have classes from... Uh, May 6th to 27th, and uh, we will have 
we have named our youth conference as Transform Youth Conference, and we will have a women's seminar. One of our church pastor's wife is going with two of her teenagers there, and they will be part of the team, and we are expecting 25, 30 women. We would have vacation Bible school. We are expecting 50, 60 kids coming to that, and I personally would spend 40 days there, so I'm praying to reach at least 200, 250 people. My prayer for this year has uh, in, uh, given me a little bit more faith to pray for more souls. I've been praying every year for 100 souls. Last year, God just brought uh, 100 souls. And this year, I wanted have Lord to give me a little bit more people as I make trips to India. So pray along with me. And I was so happy as Pastor uh, uh, was praying that uh, the ch- church here been praying for 10 souls, 10 uh, members to come, and 10 baptism. I like that because it, it, it requires a lot of faith to pray that like that. I'm so thankful that you're doing something like that. Uh, we, minister, we will be ministering in village, uh, and that's houses, and uh, uh, this would be a newer facility that we would be uh, uh, renting. We have made a contract with them until 2020 that all our classes would be there. So when Pastor Jeremy goes there, uh, I told him it'll be a little bigger space and a little bigger classroom. Uh, and uh, uh, so it would be a nicer place. We would have uh, youth going with us, ministering to youth. Uh, from last time, this was our college team that went. This year, we, we will have around six or seven college kids from U.S. going with me, and uh, uh, we'll be doing a youth conference and women conference and teaching. Uh, this, is a new, this is the facility that we are hoping to uh, get for the next two years that as we uh, plan on uh, teaching classes, and it'll be a bigger classroom. And so uh, last time it was a little cramped. We were all cramped in, in a small room but it still worked fine. God graciously opened this door for us so that we can rent this place. And uh, uh, it's a different groups over a period of time that uh, were taught. And this was last time when uh, Dr. Jeremy and Brother Joe went and we took a picture. We always take at the end of the classes the picture of all our students. And so... We're thankful, but also last year was a, a, a very significant uh, for our seminary. We were able to graduate 14 students through our seminary. Seven of them got their Bachelor of Theology, and seven of them got their Master of Arts and Master of Divinity. So we're excited how God would work in the lives of people through these students. And next time, we're hoping to graduate uh, a few more like that, and it will be 2020 when they will, this new students will be able to finish their classes. So pray with us that our goal is to train 300 of them by 2030 and be able to plant 300 churches in northern India by 2030. It requires a lot of faith, but I, I need a lot of people praying with us, with me on this, that we're able to, so that we will be able to plant churches in India, and please continue to pray for my wife, Molly. She's here. Uh, she's been waiting for kidney for a long time, and uh, uh, 
you've been, some of you have come and told me that you've been praying for my wife, and she's with me uh, and, uh, here today, and we're hoping that God would bring a right match. We were in India last summer, and uh, it was a little heartache for us because just a week before we came back, we got a phone call while we were in India. There's a kidney available for Molly. Can she be here in three hours? Uh, at the hospital, I said, oh, no. And it, 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 but yesterday we were talking at home uh, with Pastor uh, Jeremy. It must not be the one that God wanted her to get. God must have kept a best and a better one. Uh, but as a human, you always have this. I said, Lord, we went there not for vacation. We went for ministry. How could, so, uh, and it could have come after one week because we would have been we would have been here, it, and it was and it was the day that all the ministries were done. We were just trying to pack things. We were hoping next week we'll go and we get the call. Our daughter calls us and said we got the call from hospital and they said your your mom need to be here. We have kidney available, and since so it's the second time she missed. One time, it was the hospital's confusion. This, is, this time, it was just something else that we were not here. And so, pray. And we need a lot of prayer. Uh, and uh, it's always difficult to leave her when I go on this trip like this uh, in her situation. And she also doesn't like it. Uh, but she graciously let me go and minister. And... Uh, uh, and so, pray for us. Pray for our children, Joshua and Sharon, uh, as they grow. Our daughter, Sharon, is getting married uh, in July. So, that's some excitement in our family about it. And we praise God for the young man that God brought in our life. And his name is Joseph Freeland. And he went with us last time to India, and he spoke in youth conference, and he's going again with me. Uh, and he'll be speaking in youth conference. So, I'm excited. But also... He's going to teach Greek, uh, basic Greek to our seminary. He's a super, super intelligent guy. He learned Greek in one year. He did what seminary students do in two years, in one week, on his own, working full-time at his thing. And he said, and now he's working on an interlinear Greek-Hindi Bible. And uh, I'm so excited that God brought him and somebody who can compliment us in the ministry. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. And he has the heart for that. So pray for him. And uh, please pray for our national pastor. Our need for a seminary a module is always there. Uh, and so it's always hard to communicate to our church because I send this thing every time I go. But for the last four years, God has never uh, uh, let me down when I prayed. Money has come. Funds have come at the last moment. And... Uh, it seems like uh, uh, Dr. Dad, uh, Jeremy gave me his uh, coat last time, and it fits so much. It seems like God is always late, but not really too late. <laughs> so he's, uh, he answers us, and he provided. Uh, if I had time to give you stories about how God provided us over the period of time, and I hope we, I have 10 more days before I leave that God would bring the funds. So pray. 
and uh, we're hoping to support some new pastors this year with $300. Uh, we've been praying for uh, Shimini and Komal, Molly and I, and we gave him, we gave him word of faith, uh, by faith. I said, I, I hope somebody take, uh, helps us to support you for this one. And I said, I want you to be a part of our team to go and plant church. And then I got last week a call from a small church, and they said, we've been hearing about this thing. Uh, we can support with $70. I said, thank you very much. Uh, uh, but it's an encouragement that something had started. Then he got, gave me a call again. He said, well, we voted just last week. We're going to increase another $100. I said, it's 170 I said, I'm encouraged because I didn't even told them to increase it. And then he calls me back again uh, just before I came this last week. He said, one of the families in our church said, we're going to add something more on it. So 200-something. And I, I'm just amazed how God just working through that. Need a lot of prayers. Uh, lead your, uh, need your just uh, cooperation. Uh, whenever uh, follow us. Some of you do follow us on Facebook, but if you need to, there is there. Uh, our vision, plan 300 churches, 300 local leaders, train them. And uh, I really believe it is going to happen. I really believe. Because I get, uh, when I was last, year, uh, last time here, I might have said, shared with you, it was Adoniram Judson went to Burma or Myanmar and he didn't know the language. He didn't know the, the, when he was a little boy uh, praying for Burma, he said, Lord, send missionaries to Burma. And at that time, very few people knew where Burma is. And he just heard from somewhere. He used to put his hand, the Lord sent somebody to Burma as he grew up to be a young man. God said, I haven't found no better person than you who've been praying for Burma. You go. And he said, no, I want to go to India. Yeah, God said, okay. He let him go to India. And then William Carey actually encouraged him to go to Burma. He said, oh. So God told me to go to Burma. I wanted to go to India, but there God again stirred me to go. And he goes to Burma. And he started work there. Uh, one, one of those who wrote his biography said, when Mr. Dutson died, there were a thousand churches planted. And I just got just encouraged. If God could do with that person, I'm asking one-third of what Judson did, 300. Come on board with me. Pray that God would do that. Follow. Uh, you, you can get our prayer at, uh, as, if you can text me, John's India. This is one of those times when I, allow, I, I tell people, you can use your smartphone right now. And text John's India to 22828, and uh, you are automatically added to our prayer uh, list, and you'll get our updates. But uh, we do send to church, so you probably be getting it. Uh, that's a, a little update on what we are doing, what we are uh, hoping in days to uh, come will happen in India. And uh, but I was also telling Pastor. This year has been an interesting year. God just impressed me upon my heart to pray a lot. 
and pray a lot about ministries in your churches, churches with support. I, I, I pray for you. I pray for you, Pastor. And I'm praying for all those who become part of this team. And uh, I thought I would go and encourage uh, our church here to pray. Because all these ministries are good, but if they are not soaked in prayer, you may get a few results here and there, but they are not lasting results. If you want to have lasting results, it has to be through prayer. So I would encourage you, uh, I'm going to take you to several passages, but if I can motivate you and encourage you to pray for in this coming year for your church, for your pastor, for I'm excited what God is going to do through this renovation and addition of this, uh, this auditorium. It's going to be exciting. But if you fail to pray, it will not do any good. It will not do any good. So why do you want to do that? You, you have to tell God, this is why we want to do it. This is why we want to uh, renovate this thing. But prayer is so important. It started... Early church learned it in the very beginning. I would read a few verses, and then I will uh, help you to just come along with me and be on the same page. And we'll, I hope we go back here just motivated to pray. Motivated to pray. This is one of those things that early church learned even before they uh, started their ministry. Uh, launched their ministry. And we get excited to go through Book of Acts and how God was doing amazing things. But the key uh, to what they were able to accomplish is found in the very first chapter of Acts, verse 14. Uh, open with me as, uh, as I read uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It's just after the ascension of Christ and Jesus told them to tarry here in Jerusalem. And they understood what Jesus meant when he said, wait. It wasn't like, hey, it'll be uh, just go and have some fun. Just wait and do your own chores. And when times come, I'll let you know. But when Jesus said, tarry here, they all went into the upper room, I believe it could be the same upper room where they had the supper because uh, the, t the word that has been used without giving much explanation is that maybe that same upper room. And it, it would have been a good place to go back. And it says, verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Time between Jesus' ascension and the time when the Pentecost came, it's 10 days. And, and I'm so amazed that these believers went into this upper room. There would not, it would not be a very comfortable place. And we find there were 120 people crammed into that room. And they were with one accord, with one heart, praying 
And they were still trying to fathom this, this whole great task that Christ has given to them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I don't know how good their geography was and how much they knew about the world. But they said, it's huge task. They haven't really traveled into the city because they were not very comfortable in Jerusalem. Uh, people could pick them out. They say, oh, you, you sound different. You have an accent. You're from Galilee. They didn't really feel good about being in Jerusalem. And then Jesus said, but you stay in Jerusalem? And how often we use that verse as Jerusalem is their hometown. None of them were from Jerusalem. They were from Galilee. So it's, it didn't really begin where they think it would be. But God said, you stay here. But they understood. If we are going to preach the gospel to the to uttermost part of the world, then we need help. We need help of God. And they said, Lord, help us. We're excited about this mission work. We're excited about this mission trip. We're excited about this great task that you gave. We're excited about the renovation of this auditorium. But Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We need you. And they spent 10 days praying. I haven't come across a church. I haven't heard a testimony of any single individual from some churches. They say, our church actually closed themselves in for 10 days and we started praying. I've been in the ministry for some time now. Almost. uh, I I was uh, 19 years old when I went into the ministry. So it's almost 30 some years. I haven't found a church yet. I've heard people talking about revival. I've heard people about saturation, gospel saturation, going into the towns and, and doing this and planning churches. I'm thinking of 300 churches, but it cannot happen on my strength. It cannot happen if I get the 10 good people. It would not. I need God's help. God, You're gonna, going to win Verona with just having a nice, beautiful auditorium. It would be nice people of this church coming together and pray. Do you know across this nation, people meet for prayer meetings, and it's the least attended activity of the church. Least in it. People don't think prayer, oh, Wednesday prayer meeting, oh, I can skip it. I'm too busy. I'm tired after work. I can't come. Because they say, it's not Sunday. Because Sunday is where it's excitement. But Wednesday, prayer meeting, they say, it's just a midweek some activity. Okay, people who don't have much to do can go. And then we, as you talk, the conversation of people, and you say, whoa, we need revival. We need gospel preachers. We need this. We need that. It never happens without prayer. That's why Peter could stand up on on the day of Pentecost and preach. Think of Peter. He would not be a person to stand on the day of Pentecost in front of people and speaking. He was a coward guy, even though he was sometime outspoken. But he's not really a brave guy who would stand. He couldn't stand a little girl. He denied Christ a few, a few weeks ago. 
And now this man is changed and transformed. He's able to take his stand and he said, you are the one who crucified the king. He could confront. Do you know why? The whole church, 120 people have prayed for him. If you want the power in the pulpit, you want pastor to reach out people, this church has to pray. Not 20 minutes on Wednesday and 20 minutes just say, doing something else on Wednesday and, 20, and then after church you stand and talk another 20 minutes. But you feel good about doing 20 minutes of prayer and, and then you expect Great revival in Verona. You want this country to become great again. You want this country to come back to the Lord again without prayer. Who told you that it can happen? It will never happen until we learn to pray, until we give the importance to prayer. That's why what you find in chapter 2. Verse chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1. And now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They're not going to skip that ninth hour prayer. Three o'clock afternoon, the most difficult time to pray. I don't think it's a good time to pray. It's a time to nap. And these guys... Even if you are in your workplace, in offices, you go to work at 8 o'clock and 3 o'clock, you're just, you're just getting ready to go home and say, oh, I'm tired. It's been a long day. And then somebody says, can, can we pray now? And you say, pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, ninth hour. It's difficult. But this means it needs discipline. It needs where your heart should be. If that's still your weakest moment of your life, that's where God's strength would be manifested if you kneel down. I heard when we had this, uh, we have two waves of revival in the United States. I told my wife, I bring for third wave, but it will be only on knees. And because all those two waves, second primarily was because people chose to skip lunch and pray during the work hour. And it was one person who said, we're going to pray here in this corner. And there were people started coming and praying. And then the revival came. And I thought, what if I ask people to do the same thing? Maybe in your workplace, take a quick break, eat a quick sandwich, and go back to your, find some place and kneel down. Lord, have mercy. I pray for people. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Even if you have to take a cup of coffee, take a cup of coffee to keep you awake and pray. And three o'clock doesn't come once a week. You've been thinking, oh, three o'clock once a week. It was a practice, discipline. You go to chapter four, and these people are praying and they're ministering and then. It's not that when you pray that opposition will not come, persecution will not come. They've been having a hard time. And this is what people did in verse 24, 424. So when they heard that, what Peter and John reported, that this is how they were beaten, this is how they were put in jail, and they raised their voices to God with one accord. And then, verse 33, and with great power, the apostles 
gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. This is what prayer does. When you hear the opposition, when you hear people talking ill about the church, ill about Christ, ill about Bible, they are giving up on their faith, it's not the time to cave in. It's a time to kneel down and raise your voices. The more, the more you are put through the corner, you, are, you have to kneel down and pray and raise your voices. Chapter 6, verse 4, this is what what pastors and leaders in the church were saying, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word of God. If I see the sequence, the prayer is still takes preeminence. Prayer. Even pastors and leaders have to pray. They have to, they have to pray for their church people. I, I, I'm, I, when I preach about prayer, God challenges me to pray more. Because I have to pray more. I have to read more. I told our seminary students, you have to read New Testament one time uh, before I come back in May. And so I took a challenge. I'm going to read twice before, the, before I go back and ask them, have you read your New Testament once? And God allowed me to do that. And when I ask people to pray one hour, it's challenging me to pray two hours. And in the Sunday school hour, we were thinking, Pastors have to be set an example. And so leaders across this nation, deacons and elders in the church, you, people should see you praying. Not only in committee meetings or business meetings. Where, you ask deacons, why where's your husband? He's in a business meeting. But I want to hear his praying. We had a long business meeting, but could we say we had a long prayer meeting? We don't have a long prayer meeting. We have a long business meeting. And that's why we don't accomplish much. That's why we don't accomplish much. Chapter 10, verse 3. It's Cornelius. About the ninth hour of the day, and he gives his uh, explanation what he was doing uh, at the ninth hour of the day, verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. At the ninth hour, he, he went into prayer. So it, it was interestingly, ninth hour, three o'clock. And he said, I was fasting until that, and I was praying. And then we find in verse, uh, in same chapter, chapter 10, and we find uh, Peter in verse 9. And the next day as they went on to their journey and they drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about 6th hour, 12 o'clock, in daytime. He, he was hungry, but he was praying. Chapter 12, verse 5. And you find it's an interesting story. And the church, uh, church heard about Peter's arrest, and they went uh, and they started praying for uh, Peter. And because 
verse 5. Peter was there kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. How important it is to pray for your leader. And constant. It's not a, oh, I'll pray for my pastor once, whenever I, uh, uh, God reminds me of him. Constant. Constant prayer. And then, it's interesting what has happened. They were praying for Peter's release, and God answered their prayer. And he comes back, and Peter knocks at the door at verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. Sometimes church can pray with unbelief. They were praying. So anytime I prayers on Wednesday, I go to my church and other places. I see people uh, collect these prayer prompters and pray. And I wonder if they really believe what they're praying, that God would answer. It's just uh, one of those things that we need to do it at church. Okay, we're praying. This was a church, early church. They're praying God would release Peter from jail. And when God did it in the middle of the night, they didn't believe it. They said, you're out of your mind. He's in the jail. How can we come out? They didn't expect God to answer. So many times you can pray and you don't believe this will happen. And I find myself doing something like that. I pray for this, this, and God surprises me. And And then I think, why I became so unbeliever? Prayer. Verse thir- chapter 13. Uh, I'm going to conclude it, but I'm just going to tell you that. And verse 3. They fasted and prayed and laid hand on them and they sent them away. Even the mission work cannot be done without fasting and praying. It, we are known as Baptists for feasting, but not so much for fasting. And we, t- we take pride in it. And, and, and nothing wrong about it. Somehow, somebody told our churches, churches should not fast. It was an old-time thing. Jesus didn't say they will not. When, when people came and asked, your disciples don't fast, they say they are with the bridegroom, and so it's not the time. But time will come when they will fast. Fasting in the church is very important. When the church fast and pray. It's a discipline. It's not like commandment, but it's expected. That if you want to see great things happening within your community, within your church, and inside, uh, inside your house, and outside of your house, in your neighborhood, in the mission field, somebody has to fast and pray. And this year, God has challenged me to do that. I'm going to fast and pray. I would encourage church people to fast and pray. It's important that they fasted and prayed. 1423. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord in whom they had believed. How often we have deacons' elections and elders' appointment, and none of us bothered to pray and fast about it. We say, okay, these are some of the names, tick them, put it in the basket. We don't fast and pray. We have made that not a non-issue. Or we know who they are. Just oh, we want, we like him. He should be our deacon. Praying and fasting. <clears throat> Praying and fasting. I could go on and on and on. 
I thought, I'll just, it'll be, easy, it'll be good to go through these passages and then come to you right here and tell you, fast and pray in this church. You're going to take a big job, task, taking these pews off, taking this carpet, hopefully, and things, other things. <laughs> and doing this. But what is your intention? Why do you want to do that? It's just making it a little bit more beautiful or minister to the hearts of people. Are you going to pray, Lord, we will replace these pews. Maybe we'll put those new chairs, but we don't want any chair to be wakened on Sundays, on Wednesdays, on Friday. Bring people. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I thought Wednesday should be the one that is more exciting day of the week. The church comes together to pray. You're lifting brothers and sisters in, in prayer. You're praying for the needs. You're praying for the mission. You're praying for the work of the Lord. And so you, it should not be just few. The whole church. Wednesdays, or whenever you do the prayer day at your church, it should feel like you are here like on Sunday. You're excited. They're running a chapter 3, verse 1, I like. Peter and John hurrying up for the time of prayer. That's how your spirit should be. And I've been challenged to pray. I said, Lord, 300 churches to train 300 leaders to bring all these funds, to do all these great things in the country of India. Lord, I need people to pray. And I want to pray. And I have been doing it so I can tell you from my experience. Lord has done amazing thing in my life. The more I pray, the more humble God makes me. I become more dependent on God. There were times when I thought, I can do it. The more I pray, I say, Lord, I can't do it. You have to do it. That's what prayer does. It just takes out the self-confidence, pride. Take you back to that chapter one. When these 120 people sat down to pray, I was imagining. I gave tasks to our seminary students. Think of all those 120 people. Who those 220 people were? Because they must have come from gospel where we hear the story. So put those names. But think of Peter and John going for a prayer together. That's, 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 not, that's an unusual picture of Peter and John going together to the prayer. They, they want to outrun each other. Even when the day of resurrection, Peter said, John said, I can run fast. And he went into the, into the tomb fast. They ran. And then Peter went inside. So they were trying to outdo each other. They were thinking who will be the greatest. 
They had to sort a lot of things within them. My agenda. This is what I feel like. Many times in church, leaders in your business meeting, we have all these bright ideas. And I want this and I want this. I think that 10 days of prayer actually mellowed them. Because they had to confess. You cannot pray. Bible says, lift up your holy hands. So they had to confess to each other. What prayer does in a church, in a corporate prayer, you just don't go in the corner and pray for one another. You actually go and confess to each other and say, I haven't talked to you for a long time. I've seen you sitting there, but I never shook hand with you. And when you pray, what prayer does, it melts you. So you go and confess your sins. You say, I'm sorry. One accord, one accord means it's a heart issue. That you take, you actually draw them out, spill them out, you ask each other forgiveness, and then you pray. And then 3,000 souls are added. They were not trying to say, I want to take credit. Andrew, standing in the crowd saying, well, isn't that my brother whom I brought to Christ? I, the Bible says Andrew was the one who brought Peter. And you, if you have a brother like Peter, it's not easy to bring them to Christ. But somehow, he was humble. He was giving. And it's always said, Andrew, brother of Peter. And he said, it doesn't matter where my name comes. Here, there. I'm on the list or not. I'm excited these 3,000 people got saved. Who gets the glory after doing all this thing? Lord Jesus. And the reason why churches are broken and ineffective, because our prayer time is, doesn't get the importance. When the church learns to pray, they learn to give themselves in. They die to themselves. And they think of others. The day this church will do, 3,000, 5,000 souls will, you can expect any number. Because people will want to come to this group. What is all about these people? They're so excited about prayer. They're excited about going into the house of the Lord. They want to pray. You will see healing of the nation dying spiritually to come back alive. Who, who knows? The third wave starts from Verona. Somebody has to believe that. You can say, I read it in history. But it can start here. I tell you that it can. Somebody has to stand in gap. This church has to say, I don't know what other people do in their church, but we're going to pray and fast. We'll pray. You can be the center where the revival breaks in. And it should break in and break out. And I see the faces here. And I know that 
You have desire. But you have to ask the Lord, help us as church to come together and pray. There's something about praying together as church. As church. I hope you pray this year. A lot of great things going to happen in this church. You're excited about what God is going to do with this auditorium. And the, at the end, I believe your goal is that lives change, transform, change, committed, and this church grows. God bless you. Father God, thank you for allowing me just to encourage your people. It wasn't a sermon, that's that. But it's my, it was something that was in my heart. I just want, I was waiting to share this with these dear brothers and sisters. Thank you for each one of them who are sitting here, from little ones to the older ones, who have given their time just to listen. I pray, O Holy Spirit, our teacher, our guide, our helper, that you fill each one of them. Give them desire to pray as church. Humble them. If there are people who have some differences, if there is some quarrel, if there are some problems, I pray when they come together that your spirit would actually reveal to them their heart's condition so that it can be said of this church that they pray with one accord and they would raise their hands and heart to you. I pray that revival will break in and break out from here, from Verona, from Wisconsin, from this church. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And I pray for somebody here, Lord, who's here for first time. I pray that he would become part of that church. And if there's one here who hasn't come to know the Lord, I pray that your spirit would help him, teach him, humble him so that he would repent of his sins and accept this free offer of salvation through Jesus Christ so that he too or she too would be able to participate in this table and this church and have the hope that is eternal. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. I, I think the best way to, to wrap up today, instead of singing our song that we planned, is to create just a little bit of time right now for us to pray. Okay? So here's what I'd like us to do. Take a minute, and just in this quietness of the moment, you can pray by yourself, pray with a neighbor, or whatever the case may be. But here's some things I think that you should pray for. Thank God for this admonition of prayer. Ask God that he would convict you of prayerlessness, if that's true. And maybe you need to confess that as sin and repent of that. Or maybe you are praying, um, but pray for other people. 
And not in just in the formal prayer meetings of churches and things like that, but my goal and my prayer is that as a church, we feel comfortable just praying with each other. It's like one-on-one, getting together. If you're talking about something and someone's sharing a burden, I want everyone to feel comfortable with saying, hey, let's pray about that right now. Um, we're seeing growth in that area, but I think we need to can see more of that. So here's what I'd like us to do. Instead of singing our last song, just take a minute right now, pray by yourself, pray with someone else, ask God to increase prayer in our life. I'm going to pray at the end there in just a couple minutes, and uh, then, then we'll be dismissed. But take a minute. Uh, I just think we can't hear a message in prayer than just move on without it. So take a minute and pray. Father, forgive us for the times where we should be praying and we are busy planning and plotting. Father, I pray that we would be men and women in a church collectively of people who come before you uh, instinctively, and it doesn't even have to be a formal um, gathering. I pray that in our conversations with each other, we'd make mental notes to pray for one another and that we would follow through on that. I pray in the moment that we would pray for and with each other. God, you have given us this avenue of communication, and you have repeatedly shown us throughout your word that you choose to bless that. And so whatever we do, whatever we put our hand to, we pray that we would do it in the spirit of prayer. And forgive us, Father. Forgive us for running ahead at times. Forgive us for forgetting to pray. I just a minute ago, as I sat on these steps, I confess to you, there are too many times where I just run ahead with a problem without praying to you first. And I know I'm not alone in that. And so we repent of that. How dare we think we can handle life without you? So forgive us for that. I thank you for this admonition. Thank you for this encouragement. Thank you for this uh, reminder that we need to be men and women of prayer. And so I pray that that is what you would help us to do this week and for the rest of our lives. We love you. We're grateful for this time together today. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.
Two last things before I dismiss you. One, uh, the number 300 should have rung out in your mind as Henry was given his update, praying for 300 churches in India, 300 leaders trained, and it costs $300 a month to, to train one of those leaders. So let's be praying about that. Uh, that is a very important thing. And uh, I, all the people that they showed up there uh, being trained, I've met uh, and talked with, and uh, they are, are people who I will carry their water for them in heaven. And I mean that sincerely. So I'm grateful for this reminder for that. Second thing is, um, we got 150 books that need to get put back in boxes. So if a couple of people could help with that, that would be awesome. Have a wonderful week. God bless. You're dismissed.